Hello, you have stumbled onto another episode of Get Your Fill, Financial Independence and Long Life, where we strive for ways to achieve those two goals and we invite our friends on to help us. And today I'm very grateful to be joined by MJ Calloway, who is the perfect person really to, to transition us. We've been talking about millionaire mindset. And when you start doing that, when you start trying to get your mind to change a little bit and you start trying to incorporate some new ideas and to change the way you think about even yourself, the way you think about your own self-image, you can run up against some brick walls. And MJ's, and I'm going to let her explain why, but she's really just going to use her love and caring to help us to figure out how we can deal with those brick walls when we come up against them and how not to be totally set back. MJ, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure and an honor to join you and to join your audience. Thank you. So to tell us, MJ, why, um, what do you have to say about resilience that could help us with our mindsets? <laughs> resilience is such a key part of our mindset. Without resilience, we will be more proactive rather than, or we will be more reactive rather than proactive. And I'd like to share, if it's okay with you, some of the brick walls, and I've hit a number of them, in my own life that has put me on the path of digging into the research and the case studies behind being resilient. Does that work? Please. Yes, I would, that's, I would love for you to do that. Thank you. So I will go back to 2010. So 2009, 2010, I left a 20-some year marriage because of domestic abuse. Um, my former spouse lost control of his alcohol and with that really lost control of right and wrong and a lot of things in between there. When I left, and I left because I, I needed to be safe, um, when I left, I left with $500 in some personal items. I didn't have a bed. I didn't have a sofa. I mean, uh, what I could fit into a small, into my car and a small rental truck is what I had. And it, it wasn't much. So I stayed with a friend for about a month. I slept on her sofa until I could find a, an apartment. And my friends, oh my goodness, you know, my friends and my colleagues pulled together and they gave me pieces, you know, from their own home. Um, a friend had an extra bed in storage and she gave that to me and another friend gave me a sofa. So pulling together those resources that helped me move to the next step. So in, with that, and, and I'll share this one quick story. The When I moved into the apartment at that point, I had the bed frame, I had the box springs, and I had the mattress. And I didn't know how to put the bed frame together, okay? Directions, I didn't have any directions. And I will say building is, and this is going to be key, building stuff is, is not one of my strengths. <laughs> so I had books. I, I had boxes of books because I was able to grab my books. And I put all the boxes, you know, boxes on one side, boxes on the other side. And then I put the box spring and the mattress on the other side because in my head, I was not putting a mattress on the floor and sleeping on it. 
like that to me was such a, you know, we're going back to mindset. That was not how I wanted to start my new life. I thought, okay, I will improvise. And improvise is one of the key strategies that I use in my book, Bounce Up, and in all of my trainings in my coaching. So from there, I was working. Now, I've always freelanced as a freelance writer. I have several books, organizational books that were published by Time Warner Book Group, now Grand Central. And I have a number of consumer magazines. I was known as a parenting expert for a couple of parenting magazines. I did not know that. (laughs) Which is very fun. I have a really weird path to, to where I am now. So although I had that freelancing and I did have a day job, it wasn't enough to support me. And my son at the time was also still in college. And I know for him to graduate, I needed to do something because it wasn't happening otherwise. So I had, I was recommended to a national builder. And at the time there was 14 locations and it came from a colleague of mine referred to me. Now, Okay, I mentioned I'm not good with building. <laughs> I This was a national builder. The location I was in had a storefront. I didn't have a model home. I sold from blueprints. <laughs> I had pieces and parts in a design center, but it wasn't very big. Two doors down was Panera Bread, and next to me was a small jewelry store. So imagine you're selling custom homes from this, and I don't have experience. (laughs) I said yes, because what I thought, this was in my head, that I had the opportunity to make my own destination. I had a small base salary. And it was commission. And I thought, okay, if there's one thing I know I can do is sell. Not exactly sure why I thought that in an (laughs) industry that I didn't know anything about. Imagine that. The, (laughs) so it, it was, it was interesting. And I'll share, I did not sell a darn thing for the first 90 days. And I was coming up to my 90 day because you were on probation for 90 days. And I'm sitting in the office one day and I'm saying to myself, MJ, why can't you do this? And then the second, because we always, you know, blame ourselves or, you know, we're critical of ourselves. And I said, what made you think you could do this? And then right along that, I thought, okay, this isn't the worst position you've ever been in. Like, think what you've just, you know, you, you just left a long-term marriage, you just left security, you saved yourself, you know, you slept on a sofa, like, this is not a a big deal, like, get your crap together, I wanted to swear, (laughs) get your crap together, pull it together, what I did there was I took action, I went back to the testimonies that I had had in other positions with other companies, and what I, I found was there was a theme, I figured out what they needed. I gave them what they wanted and I built a relationship. And then I looked at the script because we had a script. It was called, uh, I won't say what it's called. (laughs) I don't want to identify the company. We needed to ask, do you have land? Do you have a house to sell? You know, has the, do you have a pre-approval? How many bedrooms do you want? How many bathrooms do you want? 
yes, that didn't work for me. So I switched the script to what I knew could work for me. And asking those questions, I wiped out a number of questions with, with the first question I would ask someone is, where's your land located? Because that answer, did they have land? You know, yeah. so it, it put me one step further than some of the other questions. And the next thing was I asked them about their lifestyle. How many kids do you have? Do either of you work from home? And this is before rem remote work. Where from everybody home. was working from home. <laughs> right. You know, what are your hobbies? What are your kids' hobbies? I found out all those details. I was building that relationship by finding out about them. And one of the first clients that actually bought from me, when I found out they both worked from home, she, she homeschooled and she was a canner. She had four kids under the age of eight. The house that she was going to build would never have fit that family lifestyle because those kids in four years would outgrow that house. And it was on family land. So talking to them and walking them through why the plan they wanted didn't work and what would work for them, I realized that was, that was what I could do. That made the difference on what I could sell and who would trust me. Yep. So through that, you know, the referrals came and it made such a difference. So, and you know, you're in the industry. It, we have to build that relationship. And think about this. This is at the time where we were coming out of a recession and I'm in the building industry, starting in the building industry. Like, who does that? I know. That's when I got into real estate, too. <laughs> no, who like, does what? that? <laughs> the, what, what was so funny is the my interview. So I had three interviews. So the very last interview, there was the director of sales. There was the GM. And there was, oh, I forget the last person, uh, the person PR or something like that. And one of the questions I was asked was, so MJ, do you know what a header and a footer is? <laughs> I said, yes. Is that important? <laughs> you mean, so you gave him the word document answer, right? <laughs> I did. I, all I said was, I said, yes, I knew what it was. I found out later we were not on the same wavelength there. <laughs> My header and footer was not the same as their header and footer. So it, it was a great learning process. And for me, because I was coming out of a not so great situation, I was very focused. And I had also, at this point, I started developing those resilient strategies, which have followed me through. So that's the, the start of what it was. Mm -hmm. Now I've had two more incidents that have happened since then. So in 2016, in the fall of 2016, and, and Christine, it was right after I received NSA professional member status. Oh. And after I joined a year long big time coaching program, I found out I was diagnosed with cancer. Mm. I know the, and at the time I was given a 20% chance of survival oh if God. chemo didn't work and chemo had a 50% chance of working. You know, thankfully I'm blessed. I am here. 
so going through it, it, going through chemo, I went through a year, almost a year and a half of chemo. I went through radiation. I went through currently now six surgeries, but at that time I I went through one, two, the and everything looked great. And then I had another diagnosis. So more surgery. Fortunately, I didn't have to go through chemo a second time, but it six surgeries total with a lot of downtime in between. In, in 2019, I actually had four months where I couldn't work. I, I was under in recovery. Oh, so from the surgeries. And through that, what's crazy is even through the not so good times, we learn and we grow so much more. That's so true. And I'm sure you have been through adversity and your listeners have been through adversity. And as long as we are focused on a solution, it enables us to, what I call, bounce up. Mm -hmm. So now bounce up. When I first, when we first met, you didn't have that as your, as your kind of catchphrase or your whatever you want to, whatever the right phrase is for that. But can you explain how you came up with that uh, and, and what it means to you? Absolutely. The, so I came about it through a coaching program that you're very familiar with because we were in the same <laughs> coaching program together. And the business coach had, she went around, she was talking about our strengths. And the one thing she said to me is, MJ, all I can think of is bounce up, but it isn't strong enough for you. Like it doesn't capture what and who you are. So I let that play and I was at influence when it happened, you know, <laughs> the major NSA conference of the year, we were in Dallas and I was sitting in a session, I was sitting in a session with another woman and another colleague and the man on the stage was talking about websites and he was talking about bounce rates and he kept using bounce and kept using it in different ways. And I said, oh my goodness, bounce up. That's what it is. It isn't bounce back, it's bounce up. That's what Marquesa, you know, the business coach was talking about. So I went back, I can remember going back to her and talking about it. And I can remember talking to the woman that, that I was there with, um, Kathy. And it was like, I got it. It was just a big light bulb moment. Right on the heel of that, somebody said to me, but that doesn't make sense. But it made sense to me. So we had to come up with an analogy for it to make sense to others. What was the analogy that you came up with? <laughs> so imagine, I want you to picture two things. We'll talk about one at a time. So maybe someone in your family a sibling or maybe a relative had one of these as a child. So it is an inflatable punching bag that is sand <laughs> on the bottom. I had one of those. You had one of those? <laughs> you punch it and it comes back, but it doesn't move. It is stationary. It never grows. It never learns. It never has momentum. Now think about a basketball player. And I like to use Wilt Chamberlain and it could be any basketball player, you're, you're in Boston. So thinking about the Celtics, you know, Larry Bird might've been a, 
oh, and I should think of someone closer to. I don't know who's who's on the team anymore, but when I was growing up and going to games, Larry Bird and and um, Kevin McHale and them, they were the they were the, the guys, you know, they were the gods of the town. <laughs> yes, and I'm about to ask my son, who currently is is one of the basketball players, but Will Chamberlain, at least last time I looked, he still held the record for rebounds. So think about it. He's on the floor. He's inside that paint. You know, he's ready for the rebound. He jumps up higher than everybody else he grabs that ball now he's control of the next play the next pass of the floor he has control and he influences what happens next yeah so when we bounce up we have control rather than bounce back where it it doesn't give us that control. It doesn't give us the mindset, going back to your millionaire mindset. It doesn't give us that mindset, nor is it a piece of being resilient because now we're not taking action. If we bounce back, we're letting, we're adapting to what is happening. We're not moving forward. You know, We're not bouncing up. We haven't learned. Because I'll tell you one thing, I don't, any of those situations I have said, I don't want to go back to any of them. (laughs) No way. And if I don't learn, I could find myself in the same situation Mm -hmm. because I haven't learned to create a healthy lifestyle or I haven't learned to recognize the symptoms of addiction. You know, I had learned because I was an enabler. I have learned you know, what I was doing to make the situation worse or what I was contributing to, you know, that addiction. So when you bounce up, you learn that and you're able to, you know, build your momentum, but it puts you in a better place. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It does make sense because you're right. In bouncing back, it's like you say, you're just returning to where you were. You haven't grown, you haven't evolved, you haven't done anything. When you really just want to get out of that situation and be and find yourself with your momentum to, to end up much more advanced than where you were that you've learned from the experience and that you've evolved and yeah absolutely yes yeah so that and with it the when you do have a resilient mindset so i'll switch into a resilient mindset when you have a resilient mindset there are several several strategies that you implement you know, the first is you are proactive. So I'm going to take apart reactive first. Does, does that work? Sure. Okay. Yep. So reactive, we, we focus on the problem. Mm-hmm. We focus on the problem. We focus on the rear view mirror. We focus on what was, you know, we stay stuck into whatever has happened. We're so caught up in it, you know, and then our, whatever our words are internally saying, because internal and external will keep us reactive too. When we complain, we're being reactive and then we're stuck. You know, when we're saying, well, that didn't work before. Okay. Again, you're being reactive. It might not, but what else can you try? So with proactive, you're focusing on a solution and the easiest way to slip out of or shift out of reactive and into proactive is ask yourself a question. What's the question? What can I do right now with what I have? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Who can help me? Mm -hmm. 
because I talk a lot about creating your power team, both in my book and my trainings. Who can help me? Who can be part of what I say is my play up? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the other thing about proactive, right, is that you're anticipating, you know, it, long before something could, you know, potentially went wrong, you're anticipating what can I do to protect myself or, or to be prepared for some contingency that could happen to me or that could happen to this scenario or whatever? What if things don't go perfectly, right? Right. And asking the other question that I asked, especially when I was going through treatment because my immune system tanked, so I had to be very aware of what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And it was a foundation for what we're going through right now during a pandemic, you know, trying to keep your immune systems, you know, yeah. from crashing and trying not to pick up the virus and all those things that come with it, being very careful with the mask and gloves and so forth. Yeah. The, so mine was, I, my goal, and another part of being resilient is having a goal. Yeah. <laughs> having some vision that you can look forward to. Well, at the start of treatment, my goal was to be able to go to Influence in Dallas in July. And the doctors all told me, NJ, the chance of that happening is pretty slim because my cocktail was very intense. It was seven hours with IV. Yes, very intense. And mm -hmm. There, you know, most people land in the hospital with this cocktail. They warned me ahead of time. And then there, you know, so that's going to delay the chemo. It will delay the surgery. It will delay the radiation. So more than likely, you are not going to be able to go to this conference. I was determined. It was, <laughs> I was focused. And that's the other thing with, with being resilient. You're focused. You know, you, you have that that mental drive and that conviction. Those are two other words I use. So that conviction, I was convicted that I was going to that conference. <laughs> so <Look out>. everything <laughs> that I would think about, you know, whenever I was setting up meetings, when I, when I had keynotes, I would think about, okay, will this expose me or, or how can I protect myself? Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I was told was I really needed to continue walking because that would help push everything out of my body, all mm -hmm. the chemicals. Well, the gym was the last place they told me to be, you know, mm -hmm. because of all the germs inside and so forth. And because my numbers were really down. So, and I couldn't walk outside because it was during winter, mm -hmm. you know, it was too cold to do that. It was flu season, you know, a regular flu. Yeah. So the so what i did was i joined the um, conservatory and the botanical gardens in in pittsburgh oh nice so i could walk inside it was absolutely gorgeous you know i had all the oxygen from the plants and that peaceful atmosphere so i would do that several times a week and by buying a membership i didn't have to so it cut cost mm -hmm. you know so it really equaled that it was cheaper than my gym membership. <laughs> so by doing that, it helped me reach my goal and helped me stay healthy. So I finished, I was able to finish with the, the chemo, the surgery, the radiation. I finished radiation on July 
5th, it was the last day of radiation. And on July 6th, I got on a plane to Dallas. <laughs> and Christine, oh my goodness, when I walked in for registration, I am crying. Like I am so emotional because, and, and I could get emotional thinking about it because I did it. Like I hit that goal. And I remember there was Patrick, one of the the speakers from the Ohio chapter, he's like, hi, how are you? And he introduces himself and he's, he said, is this your first time? And I said, yes. And then I blubbered all over him. <laughs> what, what, what happened, you know, where I was with this. So such an experience, but that goal gives us focus without a goal and without that mental drive, without that emotional meaning behind it, we can't always reach our goal. So that pulls in not only your resilient mindset, but it also pulls in your millionaire mindset because one really flows into the other. Yeah, it's true. I think I, my, the question that I always say to people is because we all have enough resources, it's not, if you, if you decided that you wanted to make a million dollars, right? You go into any library and find hundreds, if not thousands of books on how other people have done it and you can copy them and you can do it. So if you aren't already where you want to be financially, that question of course is why? And there's probably mm -hmm. some mindset, a component, right? And that's what I keep coming back to. So that's why I feel that folks who are starting on that journey, I mean, I, I, I guess it would be probably fair to say that I started on that journey at age 50. <laughs> so, right, I'm jealous of these kids who are, chasing fire and like, oh, I'm going to retire early. I'm like, that's why this is get your fill instead of fire because I said, I'm too old to retire early. So let's just live long instead. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> but Absolutely. yeah, so yeah, I mean, thank you very much. Um, but that's, that's why I feel that, that we need that resilience because whenever we're trying to get ourselves unstuck or out side of our heads or whatever, you know, to do, evolve beyond or bounce up over or away from, mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever, some of the stuff that we, some of the stuff that we maybe unfortunately inherited or took in as, as young people from society, from our parents, from whomever. And now we realize, wait a minute, does that make sense? You know, why should everybody else, this person's no smarter than me. This person's no better than me. How come they have what I want and I don't have it? So yeah, I think resilience is for any, any time you're trying to evolve, anytime you're trying to change that you really need to know how you're going to deal with setbacks. Absolutely. And it comes down to strategies. So with it, yes, we have to have the mindset. We also have to have the strategies because without having strategies, we can't take that first step. Right. Without having some direction, we can't take the first step. So in order to get to that millionaire, if that's you know status, if that's your goal, what do you need to put in place to get you there? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And the word that has kept coming up throughout the Millionaire Mindset series is, as we were talking before, before we started the recording, is clarity. And, and I've had found that to be one of the, my most challenging pieces is to say, you know, well, how can I know 
what I, you know, how I'm going to get there or what my, you know, I mean, it's easy to say, oh, you know, everybody's side, I just want to have lots of money. I don't want to have to work. You know, well, that's really not a goal as we know. Right. <laughs> Doesn't qualify. So, mm -hmm. so figuring out what, I don't want to say like the, the existential question, why am I here or whatever, but in a way, like, what am I good at and what do I want to share with the world and what's important to me? And, and that took a while for me to, to unearth, I guess you could say. And as you say, like strategies for just taking the next step, right? You, you, can, yes. you may or may not be able to see the final step, but you can see the next step and just to sort of say, okay, what is going to bring me to the kind of whatever clarity or vision or, um, or uh, education level or whatever the case may be that's going to allow me to, to go on to the next step and, and move forward. There's one of the strategies that I like to implement with clients in, in my training is create a power team. So going back to Jim Rom, who said, you are the average of the five people around you. Yeah. The, the problem with that is, and, and I agree with them, the problem with that is, okay, you're telling me what, but you're not telling me how. Right. So one of the strategies is to create your power team. So the first step in it is first you have to figure out who is, who is keeping you from where you want to go. Mm -hmm. Because we have toxic people in our life that are not helping us. They are harming us. So we have to look at, you know, whoever it is and take, sit down, go through the people that you have contact with on a regular basis. And then think about the last time you shared a goal with them, what was their response? Mm -hmm. Because that response will tell you if they are good for you to reach that destination or if they are holding you back. Yeah. So after you figure out that, the next one is, and this can help you get clarity, who can you mastermind with? You know, and I know you've talked about the um, Dale Carnegie book, the, but who can you mastermind with? And you can have more than one mastermind, depending mm -hmm. upon what you want to achieve. But those that you are masterminding with are the ones who are going to help you get some clarity. Mm -hmm. Now, on the other side of that too, well, I'll hold off for this one. So that mastermind with. The next one is, who can you have as an accountability partner? Mm -hmm. So every Monday morning, I have an accountability call with my accountability partner. And we use a system that was introduced in the book, The 12-Week Year. Mm -hmm. If you haven't read it, it's an awesome book. Okay. So we use that. We have our goals for the week, you know, strategies and tactics. And then you have to rate yourself on what you accomplished. <laughs> now, if you are below the 85%, you're not really getting to your goal quickly. You know, at least you want to be over the 50%. So, but when I am rocking it and I'm in the 90s, I know that I am on track. But that also is accountability to myself because now I am helping me get to where I want to be. So the accountability partner. So the next one is who can be your play up person? 
So going back to basketball, and the reason I use a lot of basketball is because my son played high school and college. <laughs> so, and he's a great example of bounce up. He played D3 um, for college, a uh, small college in our area. He's 5'7". Everybody he has he was, to literally bounce up. <laughs> he does. And everybody he played against him was, you know, 6'1", 6'2", 6'3", 6'4". There's one photo I have him of him playing against Pitt, you know, pretty good team here, D1-3 or D1 team. And there's two, he was going for a layup because he found a, an opening and the two pit players were jumping up. And I have this photo, this awesome photo of him with the ball, leaving his hand. It doesn't show that, yes, they did get the ball, <laughs> but it's an awesome shot, but he didn't give up. He didn't let the mindset that, oh, I'm 5'7", or, you know, I'm D3. He went for it. So I use that as an example. So going back to play up, when Josh started in junior high, he started going, he wasn't driving at that point, so I would drop him off, at a basketball court that always had pickup games with D1 players. He always played up. Yeah. So you might not be where you want to be right now, and who is that can be part of your power team? So making those connections. And then the last piece with that is, is who can be a mentor? And on the flip side of it, who can also be a coach? Mm -hmm. So we know, you know, I have a business coach. I have always had a business coach since I started this business. So with that, who can, and at this point, because we all know people are struggling right now, who can you have as a mentor? Mm -hmm. I've had a mentor too, throw that. I had a CEO of a company that I would meet with once a month for coffee or for lunch. And he could, he would ask me questions and he could tell from the questions or from my answers, what was holding me back or what didn't I think about? Yeah. But the people outside that we can either play up with or be a mentor, or, you know, invest in ourselves and have as a coach or mastermind with, they can help us see clarity that we can't see ourselves. It's true. And, you know, it's interesting because I think for, for me, when I have been working on exactly what you're talking about, you know, building sort of a team of people around me who can, who are where I want to be or who have some knowledge. Oftentimes, they're people who were already in my life, but for whatever reason, I wasn't tapping them. I wasn't asking them any questions with regards to the things that they actually have and, and really enjoy sharing the information. So when it, you might be surprised, folks might be surprised if you're listening, you might find when you start to think, oh, I just really need a person who can share this with me or who can teach me this thing. And then you realize, oh, wow, so-and-so is an expert at that, right? And the, the piece with that too is, and one of the um, CEOs that I interviewed for my book, Bounce Up, he, his name's Phil, he calls them mountain guides. He says, be careful. You want a mountain guide, somebody who has the scars to show for it. You want someone who's on the other end of where you want to be, not someone who has ideas of how to get there, but they don't have the experience or what he says, they don't have the scars. Yeah. 
Yeah, you because are a true Sherpa. <laughs> exactly. They're in the trenches or they have been in the trenches. They know what to expect. Yeah. And sometimes if you don't ask enough questions, you might not realize that the person is just one page ahead of you on the book, right? They're just like, they're literally, they're like, you know, as a teacher, right? You have to teach the class and you have just finished reading it, you know, a minute before you present it to the class. And that's not the same, right? That's, you're not going to have any kind of real life experience. No. And that is twice I did that. I heard someone who was only a page ahead of me. And it reminds me of one of the cohorts that I, I trained. This, this guy um, is a physicist. And he said, I always ask, okay, what is your takeaway from this session? And he said to me, what I liked about this training is, and this is a guy who moaned and groaned before he joined. He said, <laughs> is, it isn't prepackaged material. You're not standing in front of me reading a book. Right. He's like, you have experienced what you are sharing. And I had never thought about that. And I thought, oh my goodness, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, and again, it's someone outside of, you know, my personal or even in this case, professional circle. And it, that goes back to the, the quote about our customers tell us what business we're in. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. Along those lines, actually, I just, uh, this past weekend, I got my, uh, I'm now a certified life coach for that reason, because thank you. <laughs> because when I was talking with people, right? Well, actually this all started because someone I interviewed for the podcast, she's a certified financial planner. She said, and I'm a certified life coach. And I thought to myself, well, that's so perfect because how can you really and truly advise someone on their financial future? If you, you know, you really, it's a whole package. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, obviously you can't help someone buy a home either, right? If you don't understand their goals is just exactly what you were saying when you were helping the couple to buy, to build their home. You, you really can't do a good job. It's not something you should do in a vacuum, right? You really need right. to understand the whole picture. And so I guess when I told people that I was doing that, they were like, oh, well, that makes perfect sense because we already call and tell you our problems or, you know, we already come to you for advice. So other folks, if you listen, if you're listening hard enough, you can tell people are already seeing you perhaps as the person that you will eventually become in your own mind, right? Exactly. The other, I mean, that's great because what I believe that made me successful, you know, going back to, I sold three times my quota, you know, my quota was 36. I was selling 80 to 90 homes a year was being able to ask questions. And that goes back to my freelancing. You know, I interviewed everyone from a 10 year old entrepreneur who was making tea, you know, to pro players, you know, basketball players and baseball players and football players and right. everyone in between CEOs. I mean, you name it, dancers, mm -hmm. you know, I Olympic Olympians, you know, interview. That must have been a lot of fun, MJ. That sounds wonderful. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. It built that ability and that confidence in asking questions, which helped me whenever I went into the home building industry, you know, to ask those personal questions without, 
without feeling, oh, are they going to answer me? I think that's what people, they don't want to get too personal because they don't want to, you know, overstep boundaries, but you need that personal connection. Yeah. And especially when it comes to the home business. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's funny, you know, you say that too, because we are that way, right? I mean, I know that sometimes I'll see someone who, right, if you see someone who has an injury or they don't seem to be whatever, and you just think, oh, you know, maybe I, it would be intrusive for me to ask, you know, maybe they don't want to talk about it or whatever. But in general, and people always want to talk about it. Right? They do. It's their favorite <laughs> subject. And think about it, the, the, the words you used just now, oh, I don't want to be intrusive, we're in our own head. Yes. instead of being in our clients. Right, exactly. And if you just listen, you'll pick up the cues and you'll know whether it's appropriate to ask the question, right? Exactly. And you can always, you know, backstep with it. Oh my goodness, you know, did did I cross a line here? I didn't mean to. Yeah, openness, honesty, transparency. Absolutely. Yeah. I was listening to a TED Talk the, uh, yesterday where the guy was, it's called something like, um, what I learned is how what I learned as an addict is helping me in corporate America or something like that. So the guy was a drug addict and what they told him in recovery was that he had to be honest, uh, not be afraid of the hard work and to let go, to release the outcome, right? So you just can't worry about the outcome. You just have to be really honest and forthright and work really hard and not be afraid of hard work and then just whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And that's kind of that, <laughs> that same thing. You just how people yes. have jobs where they have to lie to people all the time, or they do choose to lie to people all the time. You know what I mean? Or stretch the truth or whatever, modify the truth. And that goes back to core values, Yeah, definitely. which is one of the reasons I had to leave the position because that wasn't being authentic to what my core values are. Mm. So it goes back to, to core values there. Yeah. And did, for your core values, did you actually, uh, how did you come up, come about, I guess, identifying what things of all the many wonderful attributes and values that people can have, which ones were really going to be your, you know, words to live by and your core values? Treat others as if I were treating them like my family. So with, if I had a young couple in front of me, I always thought, okay, what if this was my daughter what if this was my son or if it was someone who was older than me i think about what if this was you know my brother or my mother or i would always think that's and i think that helped me to shift out of my mindset you know and into yeah. someone else's yeah that's yeah. actually true because you wouldn't want your family to be <laughs> the victim right of somebody who has the kind of a loose relationship with the truth <laughs> Right. And that kept me grounded. There was one time there was a young couple that came in and she was a teacher and I can't remember what he did. And they were looking for land. They wanted to build a house. And I could tell from where they were, where they wanted the land because land is more expensive in some places than others. Yeah. And I knew what the land prep was because land prep is an additional I knew that they would have to have some type of, they didn't have city water, so that would make a difference. And the house they were looking at. 
So I gave them their, their quote and I said to them, before you make a decision, go home and talk to one of your parents or talk to, you know, an uncle you trust, talk to somebody you trust, have them go through your budget, look at this to make sure you can afford this. Mm -hmm. Because the last thing I would want to happen for you and you would want, or your parents want to happen to you is for you to be a year end and lose your home. So they did two weeks later, I get a call from him and he says, MJ, thank you so much. We can't afford to do this. Yeah. I lost that sale because I was being authentic. However, they sent me three referrals. Yeah, exactly. And, and you could sleep at night. <laughs> I could sleep at night. Yeah. You know, and it goes back to when you do good, it comes back to you threefold. Yeah. When you do bad, it comes back to threefold. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd rather yeah. err on the way of doing good. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, and that would be my worst nightmare, right? Is to run into someone in the grocery store or whatever, who I've sold a home to and have them say, you know, I can't believe you forced me to buy that home. It's been horrible, you know, whatever. And like, I'm always like, this is 100% your decision. And let's think about all the pros and cons and just really understanding where they're coming from because that's a nightmare, right? Yes. And it wasn't the builder wasn't good. The builder was good. It was the bottleneck mm -hmm. because of rushing and trying to hit deadlines and everybody was stretched way too thin. So that's what caused, the, I mean, think about it. When we're in a hurry and we're running out the door, how many things do we forget? Yeah. Or what, I mean, there's just think about that. And, oh my goodness, I left my phone or, you know, I need my keys. You know, when we're in a rush, that's when, you know, mishaps happen. Exactly. Things fall between the cracks and, and whatever. Yeah. So, MJ, uh, if you're comfortable, I was just going to deviate to some sort of personal things. I mean, not totally okay. personal, but just like, <laughs> is there, uh, whether it be a book or a podcast or uh, any sort of material that you go back to over and over again that you feel has really influenced your life? Absolutely. I mentioned the book, The 12 Week Year. Mm -hmm. That is, I, I follow this strategic plan and I have for the last three years. So I would recommend everybody, you know, to read it, to get it. So it's one of the books that I bought because some books as a resource, because I read a lot of nonfiction, I will get from the library. Yeah. And then if it's a good one, then I will buy it. Mm -hmm. I've also recommended it to clients. And one of my clients, she manufactures clothing. She suggested it to her sister. And a couple of weeks later, she said to me, MJ, my sister said, thank you. It changed her business. Wow. So okay. that's, that's. I have to get that one. <laughs> and it makes you move because if you get, you know, 43, <laughs> you know, and you need to hit somewhere around that 85, you're like, oh my goodness, I'm really slacking off. Yeah. Either slacking off or your goals are not in line with the time allotted because it can be that too. Yeah. You're not being as strategic as what you can. I also like the pod. There's a lot of podcasts. I love Donald Miller. So he started with StoryBrand. Now he is Business Made Simple Institute. Love following his podcast. You know, it, it just, he's awesome. And I purchased Business Made Simple 
it was last year. So it was a year program. So mm -hmm. it was an awesome program to go through. So those I would say are a couple of my favorites. Mm -hmm. I do like um, how things were built. It's an NVR. Yeah. Oh, nice. Excellent. Thank you. And so MJ, what does a typical coaching um, experience look like for you when you're coaching someone? How did that, just give me sort of an overview of how you begin and how that kind of would look looks to people sure the i do depending upon what the client needs because i'll do a discovery call ahead of time or strategy session people call it different things mm -hmm. so and i have five questions that i ask them to figure out what is keeping them where they are and where they want to be mm -hmm. so the that really those five questions and the way i ask them pulls out a lot of information for me. From there, then I can tell what they need. There have been times someone only needed two coaching sessions, other times where someone had a three month coaching practice and then needed to go into a longer one. Mm -hmm. So it depends upon who they are, where they want to be and what is holding them back. Mm -hmm. But I use the method of asking questions with coaching, but with the impact of training. Now, I'll give you an example of what that means. The, if someone's coming to me and they're trying to increase their sales, and I'll use one of my millennial clients who she wanted to buy a house. In fact, she was in one of my newsletters recently. So she wanted to buy a house. In order to do that, she needed to increase her book of business. She was at 20,000 a month. She needed to get to 150 a month wow. for her big, book of business. Big, mm -hmm. big impact, yeah. Yes. So with that, finding out, most of the time she was doing phone calls. So we, what I did was several phone calls with her, starting out, which she did originally, I didn't give her any coaching there. We recorded it and then we went back and listened to it and I pinpointed the different places where she would lose a customer. Hmm. Wow, that's really powerful. That made a difference. And then we would do, we did it three times because she'd implement a few things. One of the issues that happens is with a trainer or with a coach, they give too many ideas mm -hmm. and someone can't figure out which to implement. So I would only give two to three that she could implement mm -hmm. until the next session. Yeah. So my clients have the ability to have training because if you don't know how to sell, yeah. I can ask you a million questions and you will never increase your sales. <laughs> so it's the, the coaching, the questions allow me to really find out what's happening without the person being defensive. Mm -hmm. So, and then I pull in the training strategies. So they get a combination too. And it depends. I have one client that I worked with for four years. Wow. <laughs> no, for, well, with the company. But, but you're making, um, I, I would think that it, in that time, you're not just getting a person unstuck from one problem for four years, right? They're, they're evolving right. throughout that whole time. And exactly. Keeping, keeping to getting better and better. And we implemented so many things. We took our, the marketing material originally was photocopied and wasn't great. We ended up creating portfolios that had 
you know, um, one sheets in it for each of the salespeople and we had infographics in it and we changed, you know, they did a lot of door to door. We changed the, the door knockers. Um, we, so we, yes, evolved. And then they had a big anniversary celebration and I helped them do the anniversary celebration, how they can pull in, how the business has changed. And then we created um, it, it comes from my days working with Carnegie Museums when I was selling wedding spaces. <laughs> there was the menu card, you know, you'd get the menu card. Well, in the back of it, one of the things that I implemented was creating a story, whether it was a story about the museum or how the couple met. So with it, I had them create their anniversary story. So now it's another leave behind. So when the sales team went out on a prospecting call, they found out about the family owned business yeah. that had been in business for 50 years. So and people love that kind of thing. Yes. Yeah. So that's how the business evolved. There was one day I was driving to the, the, you know, the, um, the business, the location, and I came a different way and I'm sitting at a stoplight traffic light and I see the side of their building and it's all one color. And I'm like, Oh my goodness. <sighs> That's a billboard. Yeah. Like I could see it from the top of a hill. Anybody at that traffic light could see it. So we ended up, they got great big sign to put on the side of the building. They had their own billboard. That's so great. <laughs> I, there were opportunities like that, that they would not have had had we not worked for so long together. Mm-hmm. Well, and in a business like that too, I mean, it isn't as if you've got one person that you're just helping to, you know, tweak some skills or whatever. I mean, when it's a business, there's so much more involved and so much more that you can impact. Absolutely. Because I was working with the sales team. I was working with the president. I was working with the admin, the office manager so it went through different rounds with that. So, cool. Yes. So MJ, what do you love the most about your job, about your, your, your work right now that you're doing? I love seeing someone, and I'll use the, the young millennial, when she hit $150 in her book of business, she was ecstatic, but she is one of my Facebook connections, and she posted probably two weeks ago, they're expecting their second child. So I was part of her getting the house, getting the, you know, the, her and her husband, you know, having the, the babies, you know, which is part of helping her see that dream. Yeah. Yeah. So watching your little chicklets grow up. <laughs> yes. And not only that, I'll go back to the plumbing company that I worked with and there, there were 30 guys that were counter sales. So they worked behind the counter, they worked with builders, they worked with residents, and most of them have been doing that position or somewhere in the plumbing industry for years. 27 baby boomers, three millennials. It was crazy, there weren't any Gen X in there. <laughs> and when I first walked in, they'd never had training before and they did not want to have training <laughs> from me. <laughs> Plus it was at, 6.45 in the morning before the store opened. And seeing like their body language, you can only imagine what it looked like when I walked in there. And 
at the end of eight weeks, because it was once a week for eight weeks, at the end of eight weeks, and they're taking pictures with me, and two of the guys have graduation caps on, uh. and they're sharing, and they're talking, and, you know, getting emails afterwards from them saying, you know, I thought I knew what I was doing. Uh, this this is awesome. I learned so much more. That's great. That's so great. So those are, because I know I'm making a difference in someone's life. Yes. And it goes back to, you know, we talk about the emotional drive and the mental, the mental drive, emotional meeting. And when I, so I have been through the opposite of AA. I've been through Al-Anon. And one of I, what I was grateful for was I had the ability to sell so I could get out of a relationship that was not healthy for me, yeah. that was unhealthy. There, and you know, inside, and I don't want to talk about what's said inside, but I knew how fortunate I was because others were not, they were stuck in a relationship because they didn't have a way to support themselves. And I had a um, religious leader, my one of the pastors, say to me, well, MJ, how can you help others? Because I was still working for the builder. I was making good money. And that played, you know, the one woman that I saw, she, she haunted me because of her situation. And then hearing this from a pastor, and I'm thinking, well, if... I can teach someone how to sell, they will always be able to provide their own livelihood. And that is what brings me joy. That's what makes me do what I do. Yeah. It's beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, it's true. And I, I know what you, what you mean, you know, just that, that feeling, knowing that you've helped to, change someone's life to maybe do something for them they never could have done for themselves. I mean, that's so powerful. Yes. And even helping someone move forward. You know, when I had mentioned about the engineers, I was working with them on communication skills and <laughs> the, sorry, I've worked with a lot of engineers. They all need communication <laughs> skills. <laughs> but helping them, you know, because one of the what I would do in it is I, they would do a presentation because the group I was working with, they all had to do presentations. And so they would do a presentation. They would get videoed the very first session. And then we would work through communication skills. And then they would get videoed the very recorded, the last session, they could see the difference. Yeah. They were so excited about it. <laughs> you know, so we get, it's helping others create either a better position for themselves or a lifestyle or their livelihood, but seeing others bounce up. That's what it comes down to seeing mm -hmm. others bounce up. <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. So MJ, I, we're, you know, I want to respect your time. We're coming up to our hour here. We're actually over our hour. Oops. <laughs> we are. <laughs> wow. So is in, in, in parting here, is there anything that you wish I would have asked you that I just didn't think to ask or? I think you asked what I would share in a first meeting with someone, create your power team, you know, create your power team, you know, look at the words you are saying to yourself, look at them. Are they reactive or are they proactive? No. Um, how can someone reach me? 
go to my website, mm -hmm. subscribe to my newsletter because that is going to help you be more proactive and bounce up. Mm -hmm. So subscribe to that. I have under bounce up, which is my book that came out this year. I do have some worksheets. The power team is one of them. You can download those. Excellent. work through them. So that's what I would finish on. Okay, Use great. the resources that are available. And there's so much now, right? There's so much yeah. now that's free, that's available, especially with COVID. So many people are putting content that people used to pay for. A lot of times it's just available for folks. So once you find your clarity and you know which direction you're going, right, you can sort of, and I just want to remind you, if you're listening, since you obviously are, um, all the resources that we talk about here, all of the MJ's things that she's um, offering to you are all going to be links on the website, getyourfillpodcast.com. And you can go there and easily find how to get in touch with MJ and all the great resources that she's offering to you. So thank you so much, MJ. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Excellent. Thank you very much, listeners, for listening. And please be sure to be here next week because we are getting to close to the end of the year now. So we're going to have to start thinking about planning our 2021. And that's what we'll be talking about next week. Until then, have a wonderful week. Stay happy, stay healthy. Bye.